welcome to the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Martin Thomas. Join me and my guest speakers as they discuss the journey they've had with their own voice, as well as light bulb moments, stories, and personal wisdoms. Vocal Freedom is a bi-weekly podcast raising awareness about vocal health and well-being from members of the voice community. My guest this week is Kate Milner, a professionally trained actress, voice artist, singer and storyteller who's had a very interesting journey with her voice. From working with Mitchell and Webb in her Cambridge days, moving into supply teaching where her voice use was intensified and then followed the scary diagnosis and recovery from vocal nodules. More recently, Kate has also trained to become a celebrant, a person who performs and officiates formal ceremonies using her voice as a source of comfort and support for grieving relatives. Kate is also half of the music duo at Swefin's Edge with her husband Michael, who is a soundscape composer and sound engineer. During lockdown, through the Mercury Creatives programme of the Mercury Theatre Colchester, some of their music has inspired all sorts of creative projects. You can learn more about this as Kate explains throughout the episode. Hear how important it is for creatives who need to keep that muscle working, to cope with the cancellation of work and contracts and adapt through COVID to stay creative with exploring new avenues of sound. So welcome, lovely Kate, to the podcast. How are you? Are you still treading the boards at all now? What's what's your story? Yes, I am. I'm still, uh, I was still booked actually this year for um, another show at Castle Park Theatre um, in Colchester. Yes. Last year I did The Gift. I saw um, that, yeah. Which was a gift because the, the part itself was written for me. Um, and I was also cast in this year's production, uh, which has obviously had to be cancelled. Yeah. Um, so that's not happening. Uh, and that was my only real stage contract this year. Uh, I've got I've got loads of other things going on. I'd invested in a medieval tent so that I could offer hand fasting at Headingham Castle when they did their jazz. Because I used to work there with the jester. We used to be the jester and Judy show. And um, this year, all of the jousts were me doing offering hand fasting free to all the, the guests that the, that pay to go in to see the jousts. So I'd got all of that ready um, and costume and what have you. But that that was cancelled. So this year. Because of COVID changing a lot of things, as well as doing parties at Studio Six Music, where I do a lot of work with my husband, um, they've obviously been cancelled. I've had to think around it. And I think a lot of creators have had to do this. OK, we can either sit down and, and mourn the loss of our work mm. or we can think, OK, where do we go from here? What's going to bring me in the money? How am I going to remain creative? Because there's nothing worse than somebody who needs that creative outlet that doesn't have it. Mm. It affects our bodies, our minds, everything, our lives. So I thought, okay, what what can we do? And it just happened that I trained as a, as a celebrant two years ago. Never expected it to be my first job. This year it has become my main job. My supply teaching, my primary school teaching, I've never been a, a fully fully employed teacher in the usual sense of the term, always been a supply teacher that I can dip in and out of my acting work, even when I lived in London. Um, that's gone by the wayside. Um, my last day in school was in the beginning of March. I did a storytelling day with the school, um, which was very lovely that we got that in before mm. the lockdown. Um, so that's gone. So what I've been doing is really throwing myself into at Swefin's Edge with with Michael Parker, my husband at, here at the studio, just creating new ideas, concepts, filming. We've both been on this, we've just journeyed on this learning curve this year uh, through the Mercury Creatives Programme. I mean, that, that has really happened. We've got a fantastic mentor in Anthony Stewart Hicks, um, who's, who's uh, with APL Theatre Productions. He's just been fabulous, so inspirational. And he's really, he's been a sounding board for us um, we, and, and, and just inspirational in the fact that I've thought, right, okay, I've got an idea. And then he'll say, brilliant, go with it. I've got an idea. Really? 
you want to do that okay go with it um so we've done some crazy things we've done july we did uh, a whole month of different videos with some of our musical tracks i don't think we did any spoken word through that it was mostly vocals uh singing vocals and then we did a, a meditation month through july this month is our dance on the edge so our music is being interpreted by different dancers and we're throwing out challenges to the public to film and put their uh twist on our music and then from now on i'm really excited about uh recording a lot of my stories part of at swiffen's edge filming we've done filming with binaural uh, microphones which we are really very excited about exploring we've, we've got ourselves a, bin, a binaural head that we call basil harris uh, don't <laughs> ask and so we're we're really exploring new avenues of sound and spoken word so i've got that i'm doing the funeral officiating which is paying some of the bills and um just seeing where it's going and what's so lovely lee is uh, when i was uh, a single mum uh, a few years let's say about 10 years ago my the opportunities for me I, I didn't i i'd left my agent when i'd had my daughter uh, looking back i wish i hadn't have done that really but i i left my agent to be become a, a full-time mum but after a while i just knew something was missing going back to this creativity what what do we do we've got no outlet and i set up my own company which was called fallen moon and that was storytelling which combined my primary school teacher status with with my acting with my love of puppetry because i oh, i've got a thing i'm pretty obsessed with puppets i have to say <laughs> um i'm surrounded by them right now actually <laughs> i've got two um, now but i'm i'm not i i love them too but not not as clever with them as you are <laughs> well but you just have to throw yourself into it yeah. because anyone can do it and I just honestly no matter how I feel if somebody shows me a little film with a puppet doing doing its <laughs> thing or if I pick up a puppet the whole day it just brightens it's wonderful so I combined all of those things into um, my story oral storytelling again another twist on what you can do with your voice mm did a bit of festivals and, and, and all of that so we, I'm picking that up as well again but through film because obviously we can't do performances yeah so it's thinking okay how can I still be creative not necessarily earn money but luckily I've got the other the sidelines that are keeping me going financially but hopefully you know should it go where we want it to with that Swift and Sage you know, somebody might see us and think, yeah, they're, they're what we want um, yeah. to compose for a TV or a film or theatre or, you know, you just don't know what's around the corner, do you? No, you never do. You never know what's around the corner. And I think, yeah, absolutely. Just you just keep plugging away and then what's meant to be will happen, isn't it? I mean, yes. wow. I love it. So have you got any of your puppets you can show me? I know we can't show them on the podcast, but I'd love to see your puppets. Oh, I've actually got oh, a frog no. right here because oh. the camera, what holds the camera on the tripod's broken. Oh, <laughs> Frog's holding you up a little bit. Hang oh, on a minute. We've got Sydney the snail Oh right my here. gosh. He's amazing. Look at him. Oh, you're, well, you're just gorgeous, darling. Love oh, it. thanks. No, you're <laughs> lovely too. Oh, oh, no, I could be doing this all day now. This is like childhood dreams. I loved puppets as a kid. And I love that you're doing that. What I love about it is it's just so full of love. It's love of the art, love of the voice, love of the story, love of sharing it with an audience out there. Mm. And it's just the sheer joy comes across in bucket loads. Um, you don't have to be this highbrow composer, this highbrow actor who's trained here, there and everywhere. It's all about loving what you're doing. Mm. And do you know what? And that really, um, that's, a, that's a really big thing for me because working working very closely with the microphone over the last two years here at the studio and changing the way I work because it's another thing that uh, does come into what I want to talk to you about in a bit was as I'm getting older I'm finding memory uh, a worry and it's probably down to my worry that I'm forgetting things so you know it's a 
vicious circle there. But working with microphone, you can have your script, but you can really focus in on the sound of your voice, the mm. tone of your voice. And if somebody's loving what they're doing and loving the words that they're speaking, it just pours out in tone. Mm. Yeah, it's isn't that interesting? Wondrous thing. That connection when you're present. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yes. And you could he you can hear the difference. Should you get somebody off the street who's a, a carpenter, you know, who's who's trained as a carpenter, and you gave them uh, a short speech and you asked them to read into a microphone, they'd read into the microphone, they'd deliver it well. And but if you gave somebody who just is so in love with words and so in love with the, the, the sound that they can achieve with their voice mm. because that's what they're into that's what they're trained to do the difference is phenomenal and you, you you find that with the funeral delivery as well you know that now I can use my voice to talk to families about their grief um, from the start of their journey sorting out their service talking through all of that and finding how my voice can help them Mm. even in their front room or garden the tone of voice through to sorting out their script and then giving them you know ringing them on the journey and saying how is the script and and a lot of people are very angry through their grief and um angry controlling sad um emotionally distraught traumatized mm. and understanding that it's not towards you that's the way their grief is coming out through their through their vocals through their emotions uh, through their words but also on the day when I'm delivering their service I can stand up there and I can deliver it in a manner that I know helps mm. on that day of grief which really worries me at the moment because of the mask thing coming in um last week we were told that um it's advised that all mourners now wear masks within oh. chapel and crematorium. Um, and all my celebrant friends and efficient friends were saying, well, what about us? You can't wear a mask to deliver a service. Yeah. People lip read, they, they read your facial expressions. If it's webcast, you can't, you can't see the emotions on the face of the deliverer. Yeah. Um, even a visor, you know, with the, the, the light shining from the, the windows, if it's webcast or even if people are sitting in front of you in, in front of the lectern, you, there's so many forms of communication there that are cut off mm, by wearing a mask, even though I fully understand why we've got to wear one when we can mm. I think body language reading body language and facial expression um, is very important it's whenever I do workshops with children drama workshops mm. I that's a huge part because they're not aware of how much we read into each other's bodies and faces and respond accordingly yeah. and also vocals you know how, how we're feeling as soon as somebody raises their voice mm. you know we, we're reading that communication all the time Absolutely. and responding yeah and pitch changes as well so if my voice goes yes. up there you just know you know yes amazing right so my first question to you my darling is how would you describe your journey with your voice the journey with my voice uh when I had to think about this prior to speaking to you one word came to mind which is probably going to be a word that you didn't expect me to say and that is it's been very unsettled ah okay yes uh from my childhood uh I was on stage in nappies singing loved it um when I was in my teens um my mum paid for me to go to have speech and, and drama lessons it was probably something to do with the fact I was very very black country act and I was brought up near Dudley and it does occasionally come out in my voice um, so I, I began to enjoy using poetry to develop my voice in my teens uh, and then into to university years I really loved doing my studying for drama and I studied art history as well but at the same time I went to see a classical singer 
uh, Alwyn Davis in Aberystwyth and I went to see her for about two years I was trained by Alwyn classically to begin with and I won the Redwest Redwest Llewellyn prize for singing uh, I think it was in my second year of uni got a hundred pound for that cool. um, which I was over the moon with um, and so from there um, I loved I loved singing and I took it for granted I took my voice for granted and, and performing as an, an actress knew exactly what I wanted to do as a career and following uni, um, it kind of all went to pot a little bit because I auditioned at two drama schools and that was Mount View and Weber Douglas, which is uh, not open anymore, Weber Douglas, sadly. Got into both and at a very uh, young age and it was only those two, never been to London before, you know, went down on the coach, auditioned and got in. And I was over the moon and I worked my socks off to raise the money, but, uh, family-wise, it wasn't going to be a job that they would approve of because of financial reasons, and got to get yourself a proper job. Proper job, as, yes. As they say. I've, I've heard that many <laughs> um, a time myself. <laughs> yeah, and you, you looking back, I can understand that because the supply teaching, which is what I went on to do for a year at Cambridge, uh, did help with that. Um, but I was devastated. I was devastated. I couldn't go to drum school. Uh, and I know that I lost out on a lot of vocal training uh, and the basic mechanics, the understanding of basic mechanics by not going. It's something I had to learn along the way. So I went off to Cambridge, but I used to sneak off. To, uh, teaching wasn't what I wanted to do. So I used to sneak into to Cambridge Town to work with all the drama students and the, the music students. I worked at the ADC, worked with... Um, uh, David Mitchell and Webb you know oh, they cool. were doing so well they were doing footlights at the time but he often did backstage when I did the musicals um, also worked with Adam Cork who's now a, one of the top composers for the RSC he was Jack in Into the Woods and I was Cinderella oh. and all these wonderful people that formed a lot of my groundwork mm. in my art and craft and then after that I thought, no, this is what I want to do. I want to do the acting. And luckily I got a, a theatre and education job. So toured with that, met some actors who wanted a, a flat share in London. So did that. And Lee, it was just really going well. Worked my socks off, got myself an agent, my equity card. Uh, singing, I would just sing all the time from, from when I was little. I'd just be singing all the time it's just a wonderful way of expressing releasing sad if you're feeling you know, if you're feeling rubbish I sing isn't it funny that when I sing someone says oh you you you're happy today well, actually no I'm really not yeah but I'm using song to 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 express that um and then I had my daughter and my confidence was shot to bits I didn't tell because I moved I moved house I didn't tell anybody around me that I could sing. Uh, I didn't sing. Uh, I stopped singing completely. Did a bit of supply teaching. And I kind of, it's almost like I hid that part of myself because I really began to doubt who I was. Mm. And I don't know if it was because of hormones or whether I had this baby to look after. And it was all... Or guilt, you know, guilt that I love my baby, but I want to be doing that. You know, I want yeah. to be back on stage. And whether I suppressed that, I don't know. And through the supply teaching, I um, I rammed my voice. I totally lost the control that I'd had previously in London. Supply teaching in primary school was was harsh. So I was shouting a lot. Mm. And from that, I got uh, quite a lot of infections. And then it was uh, diagnosed that I had vocal nodules. And then it was all the trauma of that. Mm. And the guilt, again, you know, I'm doing this job to pay the bills, but I'm destroying what I know I should be using instead. Mm. That's um, tough. That's, that's tough psychologically. I mean, in terms yeah. of... Yeah. Yeah. So um, then, I, then I picked up the st my storytelling. I set up my storytelling company, Fallen Moon, 
working with my puppets, which I'd always used in my teaching because I love puppetry and different types of voices you can put on and the, 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 the sheer wonder and enjoyment of children when because I'm not a ventriloquist never I could never do that but the puppet sits on my lap or on my arm and and even though my mouth is doing all the talking they don't really look at my mouth they look no, at the puppet's, look at the mouth. puppet's mouth yeah I love that and, and it's just brilliant it's and, and sometimes you get one that goes but you're doing the talking <laughs> it's very rare yeah. very rare and then it's no it's not they're, they're doing the talking and putting different um different accents on and sounds on and really and beginning to understand how you can just tweak something in your tone or um the way you express something that changes the character mm. of the animal or the you know the, the puppet that's that you're using at the time so yeah so the, uh, unsettled after that uh with the the nodules i i didn't sing for a long time until i started going into uh, singer open mics again which started to bring me out of my shell and then through what I'm doing now with my husband with that Swiffin's Edge it's just lovely because it's almost somebody's given me this little gift of a box um you can sit in front of a microphone you can have your words so I don't have to worry about remembering remembering anything if I'm having a day where that worries me the nervousness goes because I'm so comfortable in this environment and the only person listening is my husband Michael and we really work well off each other. I, I inspire him with the music. He inspires me with the spoken word. Um, so it's a two-way process. I mean, there's not many people out there that have that gift of being, of being able to do whatever comes in your head, no matter how crazy it is. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, it's quite a lot of my time. I love that. <laughs> it's, it's awesome that you have this, um, that you have this outlet and it's interesting yeah. to to reflect on that when you didn't, how that affected your whole um, person. With with your journey then so far, is there anything that you now know that you wish you'd learned sooner? And do feel free to go back to that other question if you hadn't finished. Yeah, no, I think um, I think one of the main points is not to take my vocal ability for granted. Yeah. Um, as I said, I didn't go to drum school. So I know that I didn't have the basic mechanics of teaching what was going on with my vocals. And I think I'd like to learn still now a little bit more about what's going on. And I, I, came, I came to you for a while mm. and um, through all my other teachers, I had a, a numerous teachers when I lived in London. Um, one was a, a voice coach, one was all about um, theatre, what, what sort of pieces to, to brush up on for audition technique yeah so I went to see Charles Miller for that and then I went to see Arwell Morgan for my voice um so I had a bit of both going on so I think that's very important and just generally if if I could turn back the clock I would try to accept myself earlier I would try and maintain my confidence or really work on the period of, of when I was pregnant and going into Erin's uh, first years uh, of childhood to really take time out mentally for myself and begin to understand what journey I was on then instead of almost bulldoze my way through the guilt and the betrayal of what I'm supposed to be doing and who I am and blame you know I need to go blaming everybody <laughs> you know it's because of you that I'm not on stage it's because of you that I'm not using my voice and it really mm-hmm. it, it's it's not like that at all and accepting that but also looking after my voice a lot more I would have well, even though I needed to pay my rent I needed to do the supply teaching 
I could have been more specific with my consultant and said, look, do you know what? I just want to do the little ones. I just want to do key stage one, not key stage two. I don't want to go back to that school again because it was horrible. And I screamed my way through the day because nobody wanted to listen to me. It was just days. I actually drove home in tears because it was so bad. That's tough. Um, Because you're just ruining your tool. You're just Mm. for people, for children. And it's not, you know, it's not their fault really but just children who didn't necessarily want to be there. They didn't want to listen to what you were teaching, even though I'd whip out the puppets, you know, to try and encourage them to enjoy what we were doing. I'd try and encourage them to to see a a subject in a different manner. So I'd get drama going on for a history lesson or geography or or take them onto the playground to to look at this and that and the other. And even though I tried to do that still, vocally you have to be extremely on it and I wish I wish that I'd have warmed up more warming up is Mm. a key and I do now on my way to funerals when I'm going to officiate a funeral as a celebrant I warm up in the car very important absolutely well I mean if you think about what led you to you know the love the love of drama and the love of taking on a character the love of all of those things is escaping yourself for a while isn't it in its own way so I do think that when I went into drama in the first place it was to escape a bit of an unhappy childhood and trauma that I'd experienced when I was younger so I do think there's a lot of that in the industry because we 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 love that we're being someone else Mm-hmm. but we do and also that we're often told what to say yes we're given that script yeah we don't have to sit and think okay now what does that person want me to say yeah. what do I want to say how should I say it the director's there to help you with that so it really does help to have that script in front of you because if as long as you say the words all right yeah and when I do the the funeral officiating sometimes that I look up uh, off the uh, from the lectern and it's a sea of faces and, and more of mourners. And some some are quiet, so you'll have a really quiet service. Some are quite vocal, so they, they will clap if you get speakers and they'll laugh along with little quips that I put in about remembering the deceased's fun things they said or did. But when it's the quiet ones, I have this little mantra in my head and it's trust in the words, Kate trust in the words Kate and that's all that's going in my head because I might be reading the script I've got in front of me that's been fully approved Mm -hmm. goodness knows how many times by the family and I just have to think trust in the words these are the words they want to hear these are the correct words that you're saying just deliver them with love yeah and you can't go wrong but there's still that, oh, my goodness, why are they quiet? Why are they quiet? And maybe that's the actor part of me. You know, when you're standing in front of an audience, they're not quiet, not really. Yeah, because, no, they, you know, they giggle along with you. They rustle their sweets. <laughs> so that's it's right. it's, um, it's a strange, strange environment. But it's taught me so much yes, by doing it. I bet. About the human condition. That's that's what that's another reason I wanted to speak to you about this because I just thought well, you must have such an insight and also it's in, that's really interesting what you're saying that that stillness of your delivery as a celebrant with like you say this script that's been um, you know it's very personalized to the to the person that you're yes. celebrating of course the responsibility on your shoulders in that moment to not mess up first of all you know mm. not sort of fall over your words in any way or drop the paper or pour a glass mm. of water on it. Um, but, you know, the responsibility is is as as intense as standing on a stage, isn't it? I would imagine. I mean, yes. I, I've never done this job, but, but does, yes. do you get any anxiety in terms of that? Or, or do you feel very much like you're delivering it now and at ease? Days change, just like it would when you're going on stage. Some days you turn up to the theatre and you think, you know, I've got this. I've nailed this. I'm really looking forward to today after yesterday's performance, maybe. But with um, the funerals, I always still get the jitters before going in um, Mm. because I think that's the pressure that you feel because you want to do the best for your family. Um, You've also got the pressure of the pomp and circumstance and ceremony of the ritual because it is a ritual from the time that the hearse turns up and, and, you know, the... The, the clothes everybody is wearing it's a very much part of that tradition to get right and to get the 
that respect communicated through your facial expressions, your body language, your actions and your tone of voice. Um, it's so different to supply teaching. I oh, mean, yeah. Is it, the difference between the two, getting the children in, morning, yes. hello, coming in, get your books out. And then going to, to what you, you do at the beginning of a funeral. Um, but when you're, when you're doing the, when you're delivering the script, all you can do is really pull back and that is a massive contrast to being on stage because mm. on stage you communicate outwards from your core. Mm. But I think with the funeral delivery, it's almost that you have to pull everybody in to your core, mm. which is which is your heart, which is love, which is trust and respect. I never thought of it like that, but I, does that make sense? It completely makes sense. It really does because, yeah, absolutely, it feels that way. And then, and that that stillness that you feel on the on the quiet ones, I think, is where you yes. are pulling them in, and they are with you on that journey through yeah. that speech. Trusting the words, trusting yeah. the words that they are correct, and just communicating them in a way that they need to hear on that day, and just to, to let them know that you're there for them even though I didn't necessarily know the person we're talking about it's more likely that I never met them but funerals are do work in so many on so many levels it's not just for the loved one who you're remembering it's also for the family and I think that's very important that a service is for them too Mm. and sometimes they're, they're quite shocked by that when I when I see them at the very beginning of the journey of writing the script I will say we're choosing music here and yes you're really focusing in on the music that that you your loved one really loved in their life life to listen to but what about you let's choose one that's for you and your family that stirs those memories and don't feel guilty that it's it's for that because Mm. it's important that you are a part of that service as well in the construction of it switching a little bit to when I did the storytelling that's another totally different environment when you're in a storytelling tent you've got the kids in front of you and you've got no book you don't use a book to there's there's no barrier between your voice and the the children um you're telling the story to your oral oral retelling but without them there the story doesn't happen you know, the, the pictures in my head that my words are creating in my head are different to each one of those children. You know, then wow. I say that to them. Your picture is going to be different to his picture. He's going to be different to her picture. And they go, wow, yeah. And all of the, the films that are playing in their head as you're telling a story. Um, but it's a it's a two way process. You've got you, you can't have a storyteller without an audience. Yes. And yeah. And you you bounce off of those children and what they're saying yeah. and 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 a great um, a great skill again for a, a, an actor to have um, yeah. is improvisation at, in that moment, isn't it? And fantastic. Yes, that's yes, so yes. so cool. And a different feel of environment. You know, you walk on a stage, you get that buzz of the environment. The atmosphere is different to when you walk into a crematorium chapel or mm-hmm. a chapel in a cemetery, which is different to walking into a tent uh, at a festival or going into a pub and singing at open mics or professionally performing in a band or going into the studio, into the vocal room and standing in front of a mic. Yeah. It's all it's such all... a different buzz from Definitely. each one. And how versatile are are we to do all of those different things with our voices, using them in different ways? It's incredible. It is. It, it really is. is. So what do you find now most valuable in caring for your voice? Warming up. Mm-hmm. Big one. Um, to actually take my time with that. And in the car, respecting my voice is just top of my list uh, and not going in cold Um, thinking ahead okay I need to I I know I'm not singing today but I need to warm up my my vocal spoken range my speaking voice not teaching as much and being patient with myself on that and saying okay 
uh, when the t when the schools are open, you've done enough supply teaching, Kate. You know, pull back a little bit. You can um, increase my pr productivity uh, vocally, my quality, my tone, my sound. When working with the, the microphone, if I've got some microphone work coming up, you've got to think. Okay, what am I doing the few days beforehand? Mm. And thinking ahead. Uh, steaming. Oh goodness, I've got to say steaming because the lady, um, the vocal therapist that I saw that, that put me in touch with you, Lee, mm. um, when I'd been diagnosed with the nodules at Broomfield Hospital, I saw her quite a, a while. Um, when she said, "Are you steaming? <laughs> Are you steaming? Uh, yeah. Uh, how many times a day? <laughs> well, you know, I do it when I can. What? <laughs> Four times a day, okay. Four times a day. Wow. What? Four. It's like, yeah, at least. So doing that and also massaging, you know, I've, I've learned to do that. And sometimes with my, my, my neck gets a bit tense. I will, I will massage my, uh, my throat area. And so steamy, but I've always loved gargling with ginger beer. Oh, wow. I, I don't know if that's a good one, but that is, that works for me all the way through. Even when I was in my teens, I used to gargle with ginger beer, but I really like ginger beer. So I drink it afterwards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, a bit of a gargling, bit of a drink. Um, and I really, really swear by Sanderson's throat specific uh, throat mixture Ooh. and you can't buy it anywhere now oh I don't know what that is. it's gone it's ah. it's wonderful and it's a little gargle um and I listened to uh, Nicola Goodchild saying about thyme tea oh yeah I reckon it's probably a little bit like that oh it could be but um actually saying it aloud people are probably going to go and search for it now which is what's it called it again I'm going to search for it <laughs> Sanderson's, Sanderson's Sanderson's throat specific I don't know if it's tincture or mixture ah. and it comes in little bottles, but you can't get it. Anywhere. I'd just be interested to look it up and see what the ingredients are, because I mean, yeah. I think lots, lots of, um, lots of things that may have been touted, you know, to help the, the voice. I mean, once you swallow, I mean, the thing is, I think it's just the fact that they're not going to reach the vocal folds. We know that the vocal, the larynx closes when we swallow. So I think maybe years ago when people say, drink this it coats your folds or whatever people believed it because they didn't really know the uh, mm. how the voice worked at that point as much as or uh, as commonly as it's known now so I am always interested and I think with them um, I think a lot of certain things might be a bit of a placebo because you trust that what you've done yes. has been somehow released something that you would have held on to if you hadn't done that thing so I do think there's a quite a lot of placebo with with a lot of these things but if it works for that person and it's mm. even if it is I'm like well if it works do it because mm. there's no harm is going to come to you from it. The only the only thing I would say about certain lozenges that are marketed for um, helping with sore throats and things rather than voice is that they can have a very drying effect on the throat. So if yes, you, if and you, I've noticed yeah, that. So it, it's not that, it, you know, yes, it will help if you're congested and it will unblock you, but it could leave you in your throat in a, a more dry condition than had you not had one which might make you a bit more susceptible for an injury if, yes. if you're using your voice intensely. So, yeah, I'm always a bit cautious. But I just think if, if you find something that works for you, like Nicola's Time Tea, if that works for you, mm -hmm. do it. I've got, I'm not yes. going to say. And I'm going to try that. I will try I will, it. I, I promise to, to you, yeah. Nicola, if you're I, listening. Yeah. I will. Uh, have you tried it yet? <laughs> I haven't Lee? tried it yet, but I haven't really had anything. I mean, I get hay fever <laughs> this time of year. And I'm to, to counter my hay fever, I'll show you. Um, and the listeners can't see it, but I've got my little nebulizer thing here. Okay. And this is um this is what I use now instead of my steamer because I used to use my my Nelson's Dr. Nelson steamer mm -hmm. all the time. And um what I find with this because there's no heat is that I get the 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 lovely kind of lubrication and sort of feeling of um hydration in my throat but I don't have the steam. I don't have the heat. Okay. And I've had some very scary allergy moments as well over the last 10 years and I, I still don't know what it is. There's a perfume out um that really gets my throat and it starts to close up swell up the, ah. I don't know what it is I've not I've not found out what it is but I I know when it's about it's not good it's quite scary actually yes it is if you get anything that wants to close the throat it's terrifying mm. absolutely it is I would say having say, saying oh, well. that um, yeah. I do try and drink lots of water Miss yes. Lee, yes. Um, because all my singing teachers have said you've got to keep hydrated with drinking water. Um, so I always make sure that I've got my bottle of water with me and belief in that I can do it. Whatever I'm doing, rather than let that anxiety take over, which gives me the headaches, it gives 
to me the the neck tension that makes everything close up mm-hmm. i have to do the old i can do this trust in the words coach trust yes in the trust in the words <laughs> I love that. I love believe, that. believe yourself. Believe in yourself. Believe you. You've got a. You've got every right to sing. You've got every right to speak, and I'm, you're not rubbish. I think that's the thing. We're constantly thinking, I'm rubbish. I'm rubbish. I shouldn't be saying this. People think I'm rubbish. What do they think I'm doing? Why am I doing this? Do they think I'm silly because I do have ridiculous ideas? Um, you, you know, just trust that that you've got every right to be on this you're you're, you're standing on the the ground you're you're in this universe you've, you're here for a reason you've got every right to occupy your space absolutely own your space own your space occupy yes. your space give yourself permission to be awesome yes absolutely <laughs> Love, the, and love yourself and yeah. not feel rotten that you're you are loving yourself doesn't mean that you're full of yourself doesn't no. mean that you're selfish at all what does your voice mean to you i think it going through lots of infections uh vocal nodules it's really made me aware of how important my voice is voice is everything mm. it really is everything if i when I was going through any hoarseness or if my voice disappeared, the the impossibility of singing a song, not being able to express what I wanted to say or to sing was like removing a limb. Mm. It was a part of me that had gone and the fear that it would never come back. I must be coming over as so unhinged. No, at all. Because of no. course, when you've got a flu or, you know, <laughs> when it, you've got some sort of infection, of course it's going to come back. But it, sometimes it takes so long, especially when you're suffering with all of that stuff that goes on with your throat, with, with uh, vocal nodules. The fear that it would never come back. But my voice, the problems with it uh, provoked an uncertainty with the physical with the mental because of doubting myself and by twisting that on its head I can I've now begun to realize that my voice just is this box of infinite possibilities that I can use to communicate through spoken word poetry song improvisation play and I think as a, as a grown-up as a grown-up we don't play as a grown-up we don't play enough and I love to play with what's going on with my voice what I'm saying word play and and when you know when you sing a song you're not just singing words you're telling a story and that's all to do with play as well yeah so that's what my voice is to me it's everything really yes it's wonderful and can I just finish with asking you what voices inspire you or whose voices inspire you and who could you never tire of listening to so when you're having some time away from your voice what who do you turn to um I love I love being I love Certain actors speaking other people's words, words of the poets, particularly. I love Wordsworth and Byron. Um, I love Miriam Margulis. I think she's absolutely fantastic. Um, It's not necessarily her voice, even though she's got a wonderfully expressive voice. It's what she does with it, what she says with it and who she says it to. Love that. And her confidence. I love that. Stephen Fry, I love him and his voice. And again, Again, it's what he does with it. Um, there's a, a wonderful artist uh, by the name of Rima Staines and her partner, Tom Hirons, and they work with Hedgespoken. And the two of them are uh, expert creatives. Even though she's an artist, and I believe this of every artist, an artist, an artist still has a voice. Mm. A, an actor obviously has a physical voice, but when I when I was 
when because you you'd asked me uh, have a think about this whose voice inspires you who would I never tire of listening to I, I love the, the voices of puppeteers Jim Henson um, Brian Frude who, who did the concept for Labyrinth that's a voice even yeah. though he's not necessarily his voice uh, it's his his um, interpretation his expression through other ways his speaking through other ways and the Little Angel Theatre Company as well they've got a fantastic voice as a collective but for me whose voice inspires you it's somebody anyone who expresses themselves yeah it's anyone who has a story and wants to communicate that with somebody else and it could be their own personal story or a story that they've imagined Hmm. that's really important and I will I will sit and watch a puppeteer I will sit and listen to a family member that I'm going to see and for their for to 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 create their service for their loved one and just to sit and listen to the words that they are using to the tone of their voice to the, the way they're expressing themselves, even if they sit there and sob. Yeah. Just give them that time to express their themselves in that way. I think that's, I think that's what voice means to me. So I can't say that person X, I really yeah. love them because I think it's a little bit different for me. No, that's, that's absolutely, it's a wonderful answer. And I, th- I it really speaks to me in that, what you've just described is how I would describe the um, what I see as vocal freedom is that when you yeah. when you get that connection and you feel that the person delivering whatever it is they're delivering, like you say, a, a speech or a um, some, you know, something from a play or a musical theatre or whatever it is, when you truly listen and believe them and there's that connection and you, you, you're getting what they're delivering is landing on you. So I think actually yes. there's something to be said about being an active listener as well, because you can be in those situations and not really be connecting because you're not really being an active listener. You're just flicking through the program instead or whatever it is. Some people don't do that so well. So mm-hmm. I think it's, it's partly being a really active listener combined with the person being completely present in their performance what, or whatever that is that draws you in, that makes yes. you feel like, yes. Yes, you're speaking to me, you're singing to me, whatever it is, you, can, you get that connection. I think that might yeah. be it. Definitely, because with the storytelling, as we said, you, you can't tell a story without a, an, one person yeah. listening to that story. Um, and I, I was thinking uh, earlier about the problems of, of social media. You know, everybody's shouting at each other and there's not that much active listening going on. No, that's right. And that's what, through the lockdown as well, I, I got very, very upset with social media. And also, you know, if you, you're walking, I don't go out too often because still lockdown anxiety, I'm very much a part of that at the moment. And me it's a part too. of me. But and I don't know if it's an Essex thing that people do shout at each other rather than talk generally on the street or if you're on a beach. They, they, communication, uh, we, we've sort of fallen by the wayside, I think, a little bit in how we we talk and communicate to each other. Um, and I've, I've got to, I don't know if you've seen it, Lee. Did you see my floating on the edge when I took I the rowing boat in the middle of the basin? Yes, I did. I loved it. I absolutely <laughs> loved it. I, I was so, I was so like, go Kate. This is amazing. Thank you. For it was doing all that. To, oh, it was all to do with knowing how many people are out there who can't sing, how many people out there can't play their instrument. And at chapel, you know, there's loads of families that they want to sing a hymn, but we have to stand and listen to it now. We can't sing. And that feeling of almost somebody's put some gaffer tape on your mouth, especially if you love to sing, if you Mm. love to use your voice. And I thought, right, what can I do to express how I'm feeling? And it took three attempts because of the noise, the local noise and everything around, around the Haybridge Basin. But one night was perfect. And I managed to get myself an anchor because I was drifting a little bit. But the lock keeper said, come over here, Kate, use this anchor. Yeah. So I had to throw over a really long anchor uh, to, in order to stop drifting as I stood and sang this, this piece, of, a piece of Mozart. And it was, somebody else also said when we put it on YouTube, 
why didn't you put the music on afterwards? Because I, I had music piped into my ears so I could sing the aria, which was poor general. Um, but it was so important to get the ambient sounds, the pigeons, the ducks, the water Definitely. as a part of that. There are moments of stillness, of quiet, but actually there's, it's not quiet. Mm. I'm just not singing at various points. Um, and I really did need to make that stand and say how crazy is this situation at the moment where we have to go so far away from somebody to sing in that way, to sing classically, to speak. No one's allowed to chant together anymore. And that ritualistic joining together in voice is not allowed. I know. But I did just want to say one thing. Yeah. I think this is really important going back to vocal freedom that you were talking about. Yes. When you speak of vocal freedom, it might be that somebody thinks of uh, an activist standing up and, and speaking about uh, Black Lives Matter, for example. Absolutely. But yes, of course, that's part of vocal freedom is being able to say how you're feeling without fear. But also it works in hand with a child at school being able to say to somebody else of of a same age in their class or a teacher or whoever they they speak to, I'm I'm feeling lonely. Mm. That has as much weight to me as somebody standing on a, a podium talking into a microphone to thousands of people, that they feel able to voice their feelings. I'm hungry, I'm lonely, I'm scared. For me, through the years of not being able to sing, to be able to open up and say, this is what happened. And I, I can't apologize for it. It just happened you to me. To, yeah. um, and to learn from that and, and to become a stronger person from that. And working, doing the job that I've been doing so much this year, I think it's allowed me to take a step back take a step back from my self and to appreciate what others are going through as well uh, with patience and 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 try and understand and vocalize how how I'm feeling too yeah that's wonderful thank you thank you so so much for sharing all these feelings and (laughs) and being so very open about it all I really do appreciate that thank you very much for sharing your time with me today That's all right. It was was an honour to speak to you. It's been lovely. Thank you for joining me on the Vocal Freedom Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode and we'll move into your day with a bit more vocal freedom, feeling that you can express using your voice and let the world hear what you have to say. Visit colchestervoiceacademy.com forward slash podcast Sign up to be kept informed as new episodes are published and consider joining our online community. Membership to this will allow you to post questions to our guests, link you to show notes, social media links and entitle you to exclusive offers from our guests. See you next time.